The Never Before Project presents the Lethal Faith Podcast with your host, Dr. Michael B. Nye and Blake Harris. This podcast is for students, parents, and church leaders who are interested in keeping their faith strong. Visit us online at neverbefore.tv or on Facebook at The Never Before Project. Let's get into the podcast. Hello, Lethal Faith family. This is DJ. Uh, you may have heard me on your intro and outro, but I am filling in for Dr. Knight today. Um, I am here with your all's regular co-host, Blake Harris. What are you up to today, buddy? Nothing much, man. Just hanging out. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's always good to hang out with you. Um, today and um, maybe the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing a podcast on um, the plagues of Egypt. That's right. You know, it's a... Uh... It's one of the most fascinating stories in the Bible. We really have a lot of information about Egypt and Egyptology and uh, the Egyptians and what really happened. But there's always been controversy about uh, the Israelites being in Egypt and and what happened to the Egyptians and, and the land of Goshen. And of course, you know, we've talked with Dr. Knight before and he he has even talked about how we found the land of Goshen and, and we found uh, Israelite tombs and, mm-hmm. and graves and, right. and homes. And we even have what we believe to be the, the statue of uh, Joseph. Of Joseph, that's yeah. right. And uh, it even portrays Joseph as having a uh, coat of many colors. coat yep. of many colors and, and red hair. I mean, and so it, it, it's pretty fascinating. But, you know, we're going to talk about when Moses goes to. Uh, Pharaoh, and everybody knows the famous line from Charleston Heston. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> let know, my people go. Let my people go. And uh, and so we're we're gonna just dive right into this, you know. And and DJ, man, what's the first plague that happens? So the first plague that happened was where the water turned into blood. Um, but I want to kind of preface a few things before for we get in. Um, I did some research before we started this, and. And I just, I like to break down how certain events happen. Oh, so yeah. there's always a purpose for things. In this instance, um, the purpose was to free the Israelites from bondage and oppression. Right. So they were in bondage and slavery for 400 years. Mm-hmm. That is unheard of. Oh, yeah. You don't have that today. No. Um, but when God sent Moses, he promised to show his wonders and confirmation through Moses authority um which to me that kind of breaks down to two parts number one um when you're in bondage for that long you kind of start giving up hope oh absolutely and so i could just imagine the israelites um you know they still believe in god they still believe that he's worthy and that you know they'll still worship him but they don't believe that he's going to come through for them we've been here for 400 years when are you going to free us? Yeah. But the other side of that coin was to show that the Egyptians, um, that the gods that they worshipped were nothing. And so that's what we're kind of breaking down with these uh, plagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, the the Egyptians were like other pagan cultures and they worshipped a wide variety of nature gods. So, and that's, that's kind of like we're doing a comparison between the... Um, the events of the plagues, the 10 plagues and how it compares to Egypt and how it affected Egypt. So like I said earlier, the first plague was where the water turned into blood. 
And so um, in my research, this was a judgment against uh, a couple of the Egyptian gods, um, Apis, which was the god of the Nile, Isis, the goddess of the Nile, and then Canu, who was the guardian of the Nile. Um, and then the Nile was believed to be the bloodstream of Osiris, who was reborn each year when the river flooded. And the Nile was kind of like that life source for the Egyptians. It was how they formed their economy, how um, they got some of their food from the fish and, and right. that kind of yeah, stuff. I remember, uh, you know, talking about the Nile in, in school, uh, in you know, middle school and high school. And I remember them talking about how the Nile would flood. And that was, and you're right, it was like the economy for the Egyptians because that's where all their crops came from. Because right. if the Nile didn't flood, then they, they didn't have any crops right. because it watered all their crops. Right, because you got to remember, Egypt is a majority desert. That's right. I've been close to Egypt. I haven't been to Egypt, but I've been to Israel. And I went with Dr. Knight a couple of years ago. Shameless plug, we're going in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, it's vastly desert land. Mm-hmm. So if the if the Nile is the life source, and it, that's the only way that their crops are going to grow, is when it overflows. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, if you're there in Egypt and, and you worship this, this God, I mean, for... For him to flood, so to speak, right. the 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 Nile, then that's a sign to you that hey, look, he's blessing us, right? You know, and so when when God pronounced judgment, okay, upon the Egyptians for the slavery they had held against the Israelites, this was a huge ordeal. You know, the Bible says that the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, and so that the Egyptians could not drink the water. And that's in Exodus 7 and 21. (coughs) Excuse me. And so it was, uh, it's pretty fascinating that that they did this, you know, and and there's some science behind why some people believe this, you know. Um, The sudden appearance of red hues water in the Nile could have been caused by a red algae bloom, which appears when certain conditions enable a type of microscopic algae uh, to reproduce in such great numbers that the waters uh, they live in appear to be stained bloody red. This phenomenon is also known as red tide, which actually happens off the coast of Florida. Right. right. Uh, it happened actually, I think, a couple, a couple of years, years ago. ago. Yeah. That's right. And it killed off a bunch of fish down there. And they actually, because I was living down there whenever the red tide came in. Oh, really? And uh, they would not let us get into the ocean. They cut all the oceans off. You know, they had to put their filtration system in, you know, high mode. Wow. So, I mean, that's just how it is, you know. And that, That's pretty cool, you know. It, you know, Like DJ was saying, you know, it happens down in Florida. You know, of course, he was there. And it, it's what they call red tide. It happens even in the oceans, like we said. Uh, but red algae is also well represented in the freshwater ecosystems. And these algae blooms can uh, certainly be harmful to wildlife as the algae contain a toxin that accumulate in selfish and poison the animals that feed upon them. Fumes uh, from densely concentrated algae blooms can also disperse toxins in the air, which I thought was kind of wild. I didn't didn't realize that. Um, And so it's really fascinating that that happens. Uh, One of the things that is actually come out in recent years, though, is I'm going to butcher this word real fast. but it is called the um, 
A puper papyrus? Yeah, a puper papyrus. That's yeah, right. A puper papyrus. That's right. And uh, it that's is. Kind of fun to say. That's right. <laughs> it, it is actually a uh, very small piece of paper, basically, that mm-hmm. was written on. Uh, and it kind of describes from an Egyptian point of view what was actually happening in Egypt. Now, this is kind of debated whether or not this is uh, a foretelling of someone from from Egypt who was considered a prophet um, of some sort. Um, but for the most part, we believe that, that the, the papyrus that we have is actually a copy of the original. Uh, and we believe it dates um, somewhere around 2000 BC, 1500 BC, somewhere right through there. And it describes uh, pretty dead on what was happening uh, when Moses went and, and told everybody or told Pharaoh, hey, you need to let my people go. And and it, it, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, the One of the quotes in, that kind of describes the water says, indeed, the river is blood, yet men drink of it. Men shriek from human beings and thirst after water. And so this is like dead on uh, for what the Bible says right. about what happened to the water. And right. so this is like the first judgment against mm-hmm. their God and saying, yo, you believe that the Nile can do this? Mm-hmm. Guess what I can do to the Nile? Right. And it really showed God's authority. In right. It. And one of the key things that you said that I, I, I pick on every I pick up every time because Dr. Knight has actually taught this within his Lethal Faith um, tours is he will break down the... Exodus 7 through 12, which is mm-hmm. where the 10 plagues are located at in the Bible, versus the Epure Papyrus. Yeah. And it's spot on. But the key, the key part that I was talking about that I keep going back to is that this is from the perspective yeah. of an Egyptian. That's right. And the Egyptians were, like I said earlier, they worshipped pagan gods. Yeah. They're not going to believe what the Bible says. Yeah. But for there to be two accounts. Yes. That this stuff happened, you know the, how how much <laughs> you know more evidence do you need? Yeah, so. that's right. I mean, I, I thought I thought it was pretty cool uh, that the um, that we have a, another piece of history that states um, how we can uh, basically verify the accuracy of the Bible. Of course, the the Bible itself is a very incredibly historically accurate uh, document itself. And so, uh, man, what's the, what's the next thing that happens to, to the Egyptians? So the next thing that happens uh, in the plague series um, is the plague of frogs. And so this happens within Exodus 8. Um, I believe it's 1 through 4 um, where it really starts picking up and talking about it. Um, but this was a judgment against Heket, the frog-headed goddess of birth. That is so confusing. Whatever. The I mean, I can understand some babies looking like frogs, but I wouldn't want to put that on a Christmas. Well, I mean, I know. guess I understand it because when frogs, whenever they they uh, they give birth, they, they produce you know many. All, that's right. right. There, there's lots of, right. of uh, tadpoles, so right. to speak. That that uh, that come out, and we. Uh, so I can I can understand yeah, how they I, they could worship the the goddess of birth as being a frog, frog right. you know. But it's just kind of strange yeah yeah so um another thing is that the frogs were thought to be sacred in egyptology and they should they would have um kind of went against killing them so they didn't want them to be killed um and so within the passage of exodus um 
8, where it talks about the plague of the frogs, God had all the frogs from the Nile invade each and every home, every inch of every home. And when they died, their stinking bodies were heaped up in offensive piles throughout the land. Wow. Wow, that's pretty cool. I yeah, so God is taking a frog, which the Egyptians worship as the goddess of birth, killing the frogs as a kind of like a smack in the face of the Egyptians. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know, the, 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 the papyrus, it, it says, uh, it says, uh, you know, it, indeed their hearts are violence, pestilence is throughout the land. Blood is everywhere. Death is not lacking. You know, I mean, it, it's pretty fascinating that the papyrus, you know, continues to go on. You know, it, he even talks about how the animals are, are dead in, in the papyrus. Um, but Moses, you know, he, this plague comes forth and, and, uh, it says that Moses, you know, kind of conjured up this vast quantities of frogs that swarmed in the people's homes, even found their way in the Egyptians' bed, ovens, and cookware. I mean, this is crazy. I've never seen so many frogs in my life, right? And uh, it says, as this happens, the phenomenon of raining frogs has been reported multiple times throughout history and in a range of locations around the world. A report published in July 12, 1873 in Scientific America described a shower of frogs which darkened the air and covered the ground for a long distance. Heck with raining cats and dogs. Uh, that's right. It's raining <laughs> fig, fishes and frogs. <laughs> you know, I remember a story my dad told me whenever, you know, about raining fishes and frogs when he was a boy. Uh, my dad, he, he grew up really poor and... Uh, he, they had to uh, literally dig outhouses and, and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, and anyways, he, he said that they had a, a, to dig a, an outhouse one time. And as he's digging or whatever, they didn't quite finish, right? And so they said it had rained like the next couple of days. And so they go out to um, finish digging after it kind of dried up. And they realized there was still some water in there. And he said that there was little fishes and little frogs inside wow. where they had dug the hole. Wow. And so my dad would always say, you know, Hey, it doesn't rain cats and dogs. It rains fishes and frogs. And so I, <laughs> I thought it was uh, pretty cool. And so, um, but it, like I said, in 1873, scientific America discovered a, a shower of frogs which darkened the air, covered the ground for a long distance following a recent rainstorm. Mm -hmm. I said, this the account was one of dozens of similar uh, things that had uh, been collected in the Book of the Damned, uh, 1919, um, through its somewhat skeptical authors suggested that frogs may have simply dropped from the trees, which I thought was kind of weird, yeah. you know, but... Um, and in May 2010, very recently, uh, only in the past 10 years, in Greece, thousands of frogs emerged from a lake in the northern part of the country, likely in search of, of food disrupted traffic uh i mean that's uh kind of crazy right yeah. you, you got so many frogs on the road it, it disrupted traffic right. listen i'm gonna be real honest with you guys There's a bunch of frogs on the road i ain't stopping <laughs> yeah. sorry kermit yeah sorry that's right sorry much sorry about your luck so one yeah. thing you know one thing that you know i kind of want to hit on about that um you lived in Florida too. Yeah. You lived in Southern Florida, correct? That's right. Uh, yeah. West Palm Beach. Yeah. So shout I, out to my West Palm Beach fellows. Right. So I grew up, I lived in um, Fort Myer for a little bit. And mm -hmm. so whenever I was going through Fort Myer, some of the roads, they had panther crossing. 
Yeah. What do you think it would be like with frog crossings? <laughs> That's right. Can you imagine just going to a frog crossing? You know, in Kentucky here, we have, you know, deer crossing. Right, deer crossing, You yeah. know, not that anybody ever stops for them. We right. just... Well, it's not like they let the cars go with the right away anyway. That's they right. just jump out and play in traffic. You know, I have to, I have to wait for deer to cross a, a lot uh, coming mm-hmm. home from work. You know, I work second shift, so I, I get home a lot of times midnight. I mean, sometimes 4 a.m. if I work over. And so, like, I'll be driving through my neighborhood, and there's just deer crossing the mm-hmm. road. I'm like, oh, i got to sit here and wait for the deer. <laughs> I mean, so I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like to see thousands and thousands of frogs just littered yeah. across the the land right i mean can you imagine having frogs in your bed man well, well see that's what it says in exodus too that's right. like it says you know um of course moses went to pharaoh and he said you know let my people go mm-hmm. that they may serve god but if you refuse to let them go i will smite your territory with frogs so the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly which mm-hmm. shall go up and come into your house into your bedroom on your bed into your houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens, and into your kneading bowls. And the frog shall come up on you, on your people, and on all your servants. You know, you know. I think this is, you know, the, the chain of events is kind of what happens mm-hmm. here. You know, you have the Nile being turn, turned to, to blood, mm-hmm. okay? And so, where are the frogs? They're trying to escape out of it. That's right. They're trying to escape it. And so, so uh, as as the Nile uh, becomes toxic, all mm-hmm. the frogs uh, begin to leave the area. And so, this is the the Nile is all the chain of events that happens mm-hmm. here. And so, the the Nile happens, and then boom, the frogs happen. Right. And so, then the frogs come out, and of course, you know, then, then it says that they heaped up the frogs as they died off. Right. You know, and so that's pretty fascinating. Putting them in stinking piles. That's yep. putting them in stinking piles, which. Oh man, I can't imagine having them frogs everywhere. It'd be crazy, right? Yeah. And so, well, what's the third plague, DJ? So, uh, plague number three is the plague of the gnats. And so, this is in Exodus eight, um, starting at verse sixteen. This was um, judgment against the god Set, who is the god of the desert. Um, and so, when reading kind of like the passages and the research on this. Um, I had read that this was the only plague that the magicians of the Pharaoh were not able to duplicate. And they had went on saying in Exodus 8 19, this is the finger of God. Really? Well, I didn't, I, I guess I've, I've never quite caught that before. And so that, that, that's pretty wild that, that they couldn't duplicate this one, but mm-hmm. they could duplicate some of the others. Uh, you know, some people even say that this is this is not only just gnats, but lice, yeah. you know, body lice. You know, this right. is the, the third plague, lice or, or gnats, uh, could either mean lice, fleas, gnats, uh, based upon the Hebrew word uh, kinim. Okay. If a toxic algae bloom, which like I said a while ago, this kind of leads us back to you know, what happened in the Nile. It says if, if a toxic algae bloom led to the first plague and a pile of dead frogs followed, it's not surprising that a, a swarm of insects of some sort would have followed. That's because the frogs typically eat insects and without them, the fly population would have exploded. Uh, uh, Stephen uh, Fluckmeister, uh, a, a climatologist uh, for the Lib- Lib- Business Institute, whew, 
Oh, wow. uh, for water ecology and inland fisheries in Berlin said in a television special about the plagues that aired in on the National Geographic Channel 2010 uh, interesting both body lice and fleas uh, can theoretically transmit uh, bacteria okay which causes uh, the bubonic plague hmm. uh, according to a 2010 study uh, published in the Journal of Emerging uh, Infectious Diseases if so then an infestation with lice would have uh, set stage for the later plagues, such as boils. A uh, 2008 review of plague science found. Scientists have also argued that the sicknesses that killed the beasts of the field uh, for the Egyptians in later plagues might have been uh, blue tongue or African horse sickness, both of which can be spread by insects from this plague, mm -hmm. according to a 2008 uh, Yale Journal of Biology and Medicine. Wow. And so, like I said, it all begins and kind of ends with, with, with the Nile. What happens at the Nile sets off this massive chain, chain of, of events. events. Yeah, it's like you a know, domino effect. That's right. And so, uh, man, I, I know there ain't no way. I could deal with all, all them bugs. Yeah, no. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I remember I, when I lived in Kansas as a youth pastor, my parents had came out to visit. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we we go, and we're kind of traveling around Kansas a little bit, and, and I show them, like, the, the Monument Rock, which is really fascinating. It's a, it's a, uh, a rock just, like, out in the middle of a field, right? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing around, no trees, no nothing, but there's these huge rocks out in the middle of the field. And you can actually dig into these rocks and pull out shark's teeth. Oh, wow. Right? I mean, it's really fascinating. Wow. So it's, it's like so this. So that huge, means it was flooded. Well, that's right. Yeah. I mean, so it's pretty cool, right? And so, but as we're driving around Kansas, we. We go and we stop at off at, at a, a, a Trail of the Tears, mm -hmm. all right? And so we, we stop off there and we get out and we're, and we're kind of walking and they have like some little things set up that you can kind of read about and things like that. And we we get there and, and about two places in to where we're at, these gnats come out and oh, they're wow. everywhere. And they're literally swarming us. Mm -hmm. And we're like, man, what in the world? So we're kind of like fighting them off a little bit or whatever and and it just got too much and i remember like running back to my <laughs> yeah. vehicle you know and i'm like swatting these these gnats off and we get back to my vehicle and they kind of had stopped a little bit but they were they were all in my shirt i remember yeah. having to take my shirt out and, and like, like ring it, it out yeah. that's right and fan it out just from gnats and it wasn't even as nearly like what happened here in egypt right and so uh it, and man, I was like, like, I remember sitting in the car, just being like, like, like your skin right. kind of crawling, yeah. you know? Oh man. It really to take a bath. No, yeah. Oh, it was geez. crazy. And so the, the next one we got coming up is what happens to the wild beast? Well, right? um, the flies and then the wild beast. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this so, is the flies. Yeah. So the, the, it's kind of like the gnats and the flies kind of like, I don't know, like there's that extra, um, yeah slap in the face for the Egyptians, <laughs> you know? And so like, um, Blake had mentioned the flies. Um, there was a fly God uh -huh. in Egyptology. His name was Uagen, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, and it was judgment against him. But in this play, God clearly distinguished the difference between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Uh -huh. And this is where I kind of found it interesting. And, and there's maybe one or two more of their, um, plagues that i kind of like wow that's that's neat mm -hmm. um the flies didn't swarm around any of the area where the israelites lived it that's only right. happened where the egyptians lived um i'll tell you just a funny thing real quick um growing up i grew up in this small town mm -hmm. uh in central kentucky and so um 
I went to a community school. So mm-hmm. there was like, you know, you had your county school and you had your community public school. I was in the public community school. And so we never got out for snow days. Right. Never. And so me, uh, a bunch of my classmates, and it had been like this running joke for years, you know, even when my dad was there, because he had mm-hmm. graduated high school there before I was born, um, that there was a, a bubble around the school. We never got snow days because the bubble around the school, but the high school and the element and the um, middle school, mm-hmm. half a mile down the road, they shut out. Of course, it was a public, you know, county school. I get it, whatever. But, you know, that kind of puts it in perspective, too, um, how certain areas, you know, can can have these chains, these events happen and it not happen half a mile down the road. But that also puts in perspective, too, how, you know, how far did the Israelites live from the Egyptians? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there was actually a... Uh, um, that's kind of what I was. I started thinking about there. There's an Upper Egypt and a Lower Egypt, and right. the Upper Egypt is actually what was was where all the Egyptians actually mm-hmm. lived, uh, and that's kind of what was destroyed. And, and the the papyrus even talks about how uh, that the the lower part of, uh, of Egypt wasn't touched, right. you know. And, and, and this is is even what the Bible describes. He says, "In that day, I will cut off." the land of Goshen. Right. Which is, which is what was then called the land of Ramses. That's right. Right. But that's where, you know, and, you know, going into what you were talking about earlier, as far as the land of of Goshen, Mm -hmm. there have been, um, Semitic homes Mm -hmm. found in the land of Ramses, which is the land of Goshen, which is called Avaris. Um, and that kind of goes where, you know, the statue that you found with Joseph or that you were talking about earlier with yep. Joseph and like all these different homes. And, um, one thing to kind of expend on with that, um, the finding of the statue of Joseph, it did have the, uh, color still on it of mm-hmm. multicolor coat. Yeah. Um, but one thing is that there was a, um, kind of like a mansion. Yeah. I mean, they were living good. Mm-hmm. This, this Semitic, you know, Israelite, you know, um, living good, living in a mansion in the land of Egypt. That's right. Had 12 columns on it. That's right. And then in the backyard, it had 12 12 graves. graves. 11 of them were regular graves, but one of them was a pyramid. That's right. So, you know, of course, uh, one thing, you know, Joseph is actually in the lineage of Moses. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that just goes to show that, you know, Moses was authority. He grew up as Ramsey's brother, stepbrother, really. but the lineage still continued on. That's right. You know, and so like he was built in a he was buried in a pyramid with a statue, and only Egyptian royalty. That's right. Is buried in a pyramid. That's right. So he had to be a, a very important significance, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and so for for him to be buried in a pyramid, I mean, literally, he has his own gravesite, mm-hmm. you know, because for the most part. Uh, after kind of Joseph kind of passes away, you know, uh, Ramses ar- arises and, and he does not treat right. uh, the Semitic people the same way. Right. At that point, they're kind of put in, in mass graves or, and, and you find bones that were considered mm-hmm. mal- malnourished. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that that's kind of a, a big difference there between the, the Pharaoh that Joseph was under mm-hmm. and the Pharaoh that Moses kind of right. grew up under. Right. And so, <clears throat> so... So now we're going to lead into uh, the next plague, which 
I think we got it right now, which is the, it's the plague of livestock. Livestock or yeah. wild beast. A wild beast. So this happens within Exodus nine, um, and this is judgment on the goddess Hathor and the mm-hmm. god Apis. Uh, now Apis was um, mentioned in the first plague about um, him being the god of the Nile. Well, you know, the Nile's the source of mm-hmm. water and nutrients right. for the area, and so. Um, both Hathor and, and uh, Apis, but both of them are depicted as cattle mm-hmm. in Egyptian petroglyphs. Yeah. Um, and so, um, as mentioned in Plague 4 with the flies, God also distinguished the difference between the Israelites and the Egyptians, that the livestock of the Israelites were not touched, but the livestock of the Egyptians were. But I also want you to notice this. God was steadily declining the economy of Egypt. Yeah. While showing his ability to protect and provide for those who obeyed him. Yeah. Um, and so in Exodus 9 and 7, it talks about how Pharaoh sent investigators to see if the Israelites were suffering from the Egyptians. But when they realized the Israelites were living good, Pharaoh's heart hardened towards the Israelites. That's right. So he started making it hard for the Israelites. Um, and I remember watching um, Prince of Egypt growing up. Yeah. Um, and once this started happening, you know, it kind of showed in the movie that. And I understand that it's, you know, a cartoon movie, right. but, you know, there's some validity to it. When his heart started hardening towards the Israelites after, you know, their food was mm-hmm. okay and the, and the Egyptians were not, uh, slavery started ramping up and their, um, I call them chores, but, you right. know, that started picking up and being harder mm-hmm. for the Israelites. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, pretty interesting. You know, the... Um the, the papyrus talks about the, the livestock and uh, it even says, indeed, all animals, their hearts weep. The cattle moan because of the state of the land. You know, and this, this coincides with Exodus 9, 3 and 6. It says, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous uh, mourning, right? Mm, that's a and, very- Pestilence. That's right. And, you know, this uh, fifth plague was uh, called down on Egypt was a mysterious and highly contagious disease that swiftly killed off the Egyptian livestock. Uh, The biblical scourge is reminiscent of a real plague known as render pest, an infectious and lethal viral disease that decimated populations of cattle and other uh, uh, remnants across Africa and Europe and from the 18th through the late 19th centuries. Hmm. Uh, Render pest was caused by a virus in the same family as the canine distemper and measles. Infected animals developed a high fever, diarrhea, and ulcers in their mouths and nose. According to uh, a manual diagnosing render pest uh, produced by the Food and Agricultural uh, Association of the United Nations. Uh, this disease, thought to originate in Asia, traveled to Egypt uh, 5,000 years ago along prehistoric uh, trading routes. The New York Times reported in 2010 its mortality rate was uh, exceptionally high, often exceeding 80%, uh, which is... That's high. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really lot, high. Yeah. You know, it killed an estimated 200 million cattle uh, in the 18th century according to a study published in the Journal of Medical History in 1997. Uh, when render pests emerged in Africa in the 19th century, it killed 5.2 million cattle, 
causing one-third of the population of Ethiopia to die of starvation, a study published uh, from the journal Science reported in 2008. Wow. I mean, so that's uh, that's pretty crazy, you know, uh, as far as what happens there. You know, it, it makes me think of the flies, too, mm-hmm. um, because... If you have the death of the frogs, which they just kind of heaped into piles, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you have the livestock die off too, those flies are not going anywhere. No, you know they're they're going to continue to breed. I mean, so it's like it's going to get even worse. And right. so it's not like the frogs that that came and kind of died off. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you have the flies, and they kind of no 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 no. no. These yeah. flies are going to continue to breed and right. then continue to bother right. because that dead carcass is going to breed those flies. That's right, maggots and other things, you mm-hmm. know. And so they're not going to go anywhere. You all shouldn't either. We've got more coming up in the next episode. Blake, why don't you close us out? Hey, guys. I just want to thank you for listening today. Uh, as always, we appreciate that. And thanks for DJ for filling in. We really appreciate him. He's usually behind the scenes. Uh, but as always, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and keep it lethal. Thanks for listening to the Lethal Faith Podcast, brought to you by the Never Before Project. To find out more about the Never Before Project or be a part of the discussion, visit our website at neverbefore.tv. You can also visit us on Facebook at the Never Before Project. Join us next week for another episode of Lethal Faith.